from as early as I can remember, my dream was always to be a successful musician. My first instrument was piano, but the first instrument that I got really good at was drums. But at a young age, I started singing, so I always wanted to be a singer. Right out of high school, I got approached to be in the band. They had been together for a couple years, and they needed a singer, so they, they found out about me somehow, and so they approached me. Started off just playing small parties around Hilo, and they got bigger and bigger. We started traveling back and forth to Oahu like every weekend. We did that for a few years, and then we got signed. I put on a national tour, so I was on national tour for three years, almost four years. Not as glamorous as you would think. Um, a lot of drinking. A lot of drugs. Really hard, not much money. But there was good times too, but a lot of it was stressful. I decided to stop doing that <clears throat> when it started to affect my family. I met Marilyn in 2006, I think, 2005, 2006. So we were in between tours and I decided to go get a day job. And so I met her at the place where I was working. It took us two years, two years of dating, and then we got married. I didn't realize right away. You know, I still thought I could have both. So raising a small child, at this point we only had one child. Raising a small child, still trying to record in the studio, long hours. Work, I was working two jobs, so I worked a construction job from 7 in the morning till 4.30. And then I would drive to Newport Beach and I would wait tables for until about 1 o'clock in the morning. And then I would come home and still try to fit music in there somewhere. And so I didn't realize right away that it wasn't going to work. We found out we were pregnant with our second child. And um, I decided to move home. Um, I didn't want to raise my kids in LA. Not that there's anything wrong with LA, but it just wasn't for me. I still tried to be with Living in Question. I would fly to California. We recorded albums. We were doing shows. And I'd have to be gone for, for months, months at a time. And it started to really affect my marriage and my home life. To the point where my wife didn't want to be with me anymore. <clears throat> so I had to make a decision. We had already been coming to church. And I was already on the worship team, but I was still getting pulled in that direction. You know, everywhere I went, everybody's always like, what about Living in Question? You know, aren't you guys going on another tour? Aren't you coming out with another album? What do you mean you're just playing music at church? Like, don't you want to play outside? And I did. I wanted to play outside. I still felt like I had something left to do. It's, it's really difficult to to find your joy, almost I'd say it's impossible to find your joy out, out there because you're always striving for somebody else's idea of what you should be. Um, here it's, 
as soon as I walk in these doors, I'm just at peace. You know, even away from this place, just knowing that I belong here, and that there's a place for me here and my family. It's, it's undescribable. During a worship set and we look out in the crowd and people are getting saved and, and people are worshiping with all their heart. There's no feeling that can compare to that. So yeah, the biggest difference in what I'm doing today versus what I was doing before is I get to include my family in, in my passion. You know, they get to come right alongside me and watch me and support me. And, and I get to show them something I'm proud of. Anybody who's struggling with trying to find out what, what to do with their giftings, you know, I've been through all that. And <clears throat> the only advice I can give you is that you're never going to find it by yourself. You're never going to be able to, to fulfill your, your goals without the help of God. So I just encourage anybody who's struggling to, to come to the Lord and trust that He will guide you. And He has your best interests in mind. And He'll take care of you. Wow. Can you welcome with me Glenn Motuishi as he comes up and shares a little bit. Thank you so much, Glenn. Woo. Hard to sit through that, eh? Oh, your daughters have... Hi, Kylie and Amaya. Thank you. You guys are so sweet. Thank you for getting up super early on Sunday. So one thing you said in there was that uh, it pulls at you. You know, and now that you're on this side of uh, the so-called dream, what are you experiencing now that you didn't even think was possible back then? Um, experiencing peace, joy, satisfaction, you know, and just, I'm just so blessed, you know. And that's not something you actually could see, like that was possible, because you said that, you know, when you say, I, I made the decision, because we, I think we all want to make a great decision that would lead us into a, a better direction. But that's the critical point. What decision do we make? But when you were making that decision, did you think that, okay, by this decision, it's all going to just work out? No. Okay. <laughs> well, what did you think was going to happen? Well, I mean, I, I had hoped, right. you know, but that's not the way the world works. So, no, I didn't necessarily think that that one decision was going to change my entire life, but, but it did. And, and you still have probably people pulling at you to say, hey, Glenn, this and this and this. Every and, day. And how do you deal with that? Um, well, I just encourage them, and I share my story with them as, as much as they'll listen to it. And, um, yeah, just let them know that there is hope, yeah. you know. Can we say thank you to Glenn for sharing his story with us this morning? Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate you. So we're in this uh, series called Dream, and that's a part of it, that there's going to be passions that we have to pursue this dream. So if you would take out your uh, 
uh, notes with me in your bulletin. You, you'll follow along. And, and you're going to see that, that there are people, even in the Bible, that deal with the same things that we deal with today. We all have a passion for something. Every single person has a passion for something. And I, I think when we look at the Bible and who God made us to be, he put, there, he put that passion there for a reason. The problem is, for many of us, we hit roadblock after roadblock because we're passionate about something. And when we hit a roadblock, sometimes we say, okay, now that I've hit a roadblock, I've got to figure out a way out. I've got to figure out a way to get past this roadblock. And we try it our own way, but there is a better way. There is God's way. And God didn't give you a passion just for nothing. He gave you a passion for a reason. So we're going to look at this, this uh, passion, this word passion, and look at a man by the name of Peter in the Bible. And Peter was someone who followed Jesus Christ. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. I thought if there's anyone in the Bible that would show us passion, it would be Jesus Christ. But more than that, I wonder what person would also show us passion that followed Jesus Christ. Because it's almost like a given, right? With Jesus Christ, he has passion. He's the son of God. He can walk on water. He's in heaven. He's at the right hand of God. So he better have passion. But what man on this earth, what human being walked this earth that can teach us about passion but was connected with Jesus Christ? So we're going to look at Peter and his life about this one word, passion. If you do have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of John chapter 21. And John chapter 21, I'm going to read from verses 1 through 22. And it's going to give us kind of like the, the after uh, story of Peter when Jesus went to the cross and then Jesus rose from the grave. And now this is a time where Jesus appeared to his disciples after he went to the cross. So we're kind of starting off with post Jesus crucified and uh, after his resurrection. So John chapter 21 in the New Testament, verse 1. After these things, which is the crucifixion and even the resurrection, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. In other words, Peter had a passion for fishing, but he followed Jesus Christ all that time, so he may not have had a lot of time to go fishing. But now that Jesus had died, it almost seemed like everything's done. The ministry is done. The vision that Jesus had was done. So what are we going to do? We're going to go back to what we're passionate about. I'm going to go fishing. Then they said to him, well, we're going to go with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night, they caught nothing. Now, if you're a fisherman and you have to get your boat ready, you have to fuel up, get your nets ready or get your hooks ready, get your poles ready, you get all of that ready, the bait and everything, and then you catch nothing. Isn't that frustrating? It's frustrating. You waste a lot of money. Well, they went out. They caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Hey, children, do you have any food? And they answered him, No. No, we don't. And he said to them, Well, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now, they've been fishing all night. And if you're a fisherman, not stereotyping, but I can understand this part, 
You did everything possible to catch fish, and then you see someone on land tell you, hey, this is how you're supposed to fish. You're doing it wrong. This is what you should do. Now, you may not accept that right away, but the disciples did. They said, okay, we'll try it. And they threw their net and cast it on the right side of the boat. And when they did, they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, and they're um, most likely it was John, the other disciple, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, and he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. Talk about passion. Peter has passion. I don't know how deep the water was, or if you're thinking shark, but he went into the water, and he swam to shore. But the other disciples came into the boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. As soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. So Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They didn't want to ask him. It's, it's, I mean, we deal with the same thing. You know, when you see someone at the plaza or, or cruising around and they tell you hi and they talk story with you a little while. And you're like, oh, good to see you. You leave and you tell your wife, who's that? It's, that's kind of what's happening right now. They're like, well, who's this guy? But they don't want to ask because they're supposed to know. So now they're in this little predicament. And so Jesus says, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. He brings up the fish. And he, he doesn't want to ask, who are you? And knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So they're still not recognizing him. This is the third time. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, like this is his alone time with Peter, he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And I wonder if Peter is looking around like, what, with these other guys, these disciples? But we got to remember, there's 153 large fish on shore. They still have these large fish on shore. And I'm wondering if Jesus says to Peter, do you love me more than this? All these, this, this is your passion, Peter, right? Fishing, you love doing this. Oh, yeah. Do you love me more than these? You have 153 large fish. Do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than what you're passionate about? And Peter says, oh, yeah, you know that I love you. Then he said, then feed my lambs. What are you doing doing this? You feed my lambs because that's who I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about people. Peter, do you love me? He asked him the second time. Then he said, yeah, Lord, you know that I love you. Then tend my sheep. Go tend my sheep. Tend to their needs because I'm passionate about their needs. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. That's what I'm passionate about, Peter. Don't you get it by now, Peter? This is what I'm passionate about. You go back to what you're passionate about. 
But this is what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about people. He continues with Peter in verse 18. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and will carry you where you do not wish. Jesus spoke this signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. Now, those words are critical because Peter is in his passion. He's fishing. He loves what he's doing. But Jesus says, do you love me more than your passion? You have a passion to dream, Peter. Do you love me more than that dream? See, here's some things that we can learn about passion, and this is what Jesus was trying to get Peter to understand. Number one, if you want to take some notes, passion fuels. It'll fuel you. And, and Jesus is telling Peter, what kind of fuel system do you want to use for your passion? Do you want your, your, your passion to be guided by, by what you want to do or you want to be passionate about what I want to do? Are you, are you, do you want to be fueled by my love or do you want to be fueled by your own dreams and your, your own way of thinking and, and the way the world will pull at you? Because passion will fuel us in so many ways. Passion fuels our anger. It fuels our frustration. It'll fuel you. It'll feed you. Have you ever tried to work on a project with your spouse? That's a tough thing to do. Honey, hold this side. No, no, Lord, 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 no, no, no. Hold it just so you know. I don't need your help. Like you have a passion for something, but you get frustrated because maybe the other person does not have the same passion that you have. Maybe, maybe your, your passion will fuel your anger or it'll fuel your, your, uh, your dreams. It'll fuel your words the words that we speak because we're so passionate about something, we may say the wrong things. Or we're passionate about our schedule. We just need our schedule to be a certain way and when someone throws that off, then we, we're thrown off. Or we're passionate about our time or our, our finances or even our attitude. You know, we just have a passion for life, but it affects our attitude. Where Peter was fueled with passion, but he was not yet aligned with the passion that Jesus had. And when, when Jesus was going to the cross and before he went, in John chapter 18, I want to read this story and then I'll, I'll give us our scripture. But in this story, in John chapter 18, I'll read from verses 1 through 9. And this is when Jesus was going to be arrested uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, being betrayed by one of his disciples named Judas Iscariot. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now, when he had said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, I don't know why. I'm sure there's a study on this, but maybe, maybe they didn't think that Jesus was going to look like that. Or, now, Jesus is a carpenter, so maybe they thought he was fragile or, or maybe he was a, a short man or, or I don't know what their thought was about Jesus. But whatever it was, they were drawn back. And they fell to the ground. 
And I think for many of us, when we met Christ, it was the same way. We were just blown away by his love and his presence and his forgiveness, the passion that he has for us. But they fell to the ground and he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of, of whom those you gave me, I have lost none. Now, up until this point, Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to go to the cross. They've already seen the passion that Jesus has for God the Father and for people. So now Peter is trying to follow in line. He's saying, okay, he's passionate. He's passionate about the things of God. I'm going to be passionate too, so I'm going to get ready. So Peter brings a sword, and Jesus says, that's enough. Just a sword is fine. Now, when all of this is taking place, look at what Peter does. So Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of the suffering the Father has given me? But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. So here you have Peter who's passionate and he's saying, oh, Jesus, I'm going to take him out. I'm going to take him out. And he slashes off the ear. I don't know if he has bad aim or good aim. You can take it either way. But Jesus says, okay, this is not the way it's supposed to happen. This is not what I'm talking about, Peter. This is not my passion. My passion is for people. Jesus picks up the guy's ear. I know it sounds kind of gross, but then he heals the guy's ear and shows Peter, this is what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about people and healing people. Do you not get it, Peter? Are you catching this, Peter? You have a passion, Peter, but you got to let your passion guide you in the right way because passion is going to fuel you, Peter. And you want to make sure you're going in the right direction. Otherwise, you burn fuel in the wrong direction that you may not have enough fuel for the right direction. You got to understand me, Peter. This is what I'm passionate about. And Peter was fueled by passion, but it was not yet aligned with the heart of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to bring life, not death. I mean, people have passion. We all have passion. Uh, we have great innovators who have passion. Steve Jobs had passion. And that's why we have all these great Apple products. Bill Gates, has, he has passion. That's why Microsoft has done tremendous things in the world. You have passion. Uh, people who volunteer here have passion for Christ. So you volunteer and you use your gifts and your passions for the Lord. When you have a passion for something, it fuels you. It energizes you. And it helps you to do things that you normally wouldn't do under the same circumstances. Passion will do that because it fuels you. Have you ever seen someone with a passion? And, and even though they may be, let's just say sports, they may be injured because they, they have a passion for it, they still go. I mean, have you ever seen someone playing, who has a, pa- has a passion for baseball, but, you know, maybe their, their ankle is sore? They'll tape it up and play. They'll still play. If you have a passion for, for uh, golf, and maybe your back is out, and your wife says, honey, can we rearrange the furniture, and can we build this? We got a project to do. Oh, honey, my, you know, my back is out, so I, I, I cannot help this weekend. Oh, why don't you rest, honey? I'll rest. Then your buddies call you up. Hey, you want to go golf this weekend? Hallelujah, I'm healed. I am healed in the name of Jesus. I can golf. I can. Why? Because you have a passion now for it. Or someone who just has a passion for, for 
the things of this world. They'll do anything to accomplish it. If you see someone with passion, they'll, they'll make some sacrifices. We all have a passion for something. God gave us this passion, but are we using it in the right way? Because passion will fuel you. You can't stop someone who has passion for something. You just can't stop them. That's why the Bible tells us in Luke 22, verse 31, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. So Peter's like, okay, so he's, wait, wait, you're talking about the devil now, right? This is Satan. Okay, now this is serious, Jesus. Satan has asked to sift me like wheat. Now, I saw sister sifting wheat the other day. That looks pretty brutal. I mean, she was just going for it, sifting the wheat. It took a long time. Threw it in the air. The wind blew off all the, way, all the little um, whatever else that is not the wheat, those outside thingies. It was blame, being blown in the wind. So I, I see what you're saying, Jesus, but Satan is asked to, be, to, to sift me? But, but you're the son of God, right, Jesus? Yes, I am. You have all power, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I have no worries then. Because you, Jesus Christ, are the Son of God, and all you need to do is rebuke Satan, right? Ah, yeah, you can do that. So let's see what Jesus says. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, you know, I'm a fisherman, so I can tough it out. If the devil, like, attack me, I can tough it out. And... I am willing to go to prison for you and even die for you. I can do that for you. I can, I can even die for you. That's how passionate I am, Jesus. That's how passionate I am. And, and the devil likes to me. Tell him, go ahead. Go ahead, you're the son of God. And now Jesus is saying to him, wait, okay. But I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. Talk about being put in your place. He's coming out all big and bad. Yeah, Jesus, I take him out. Yeah, bring the devil. Bring him on. Peter, just to let you know, Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny that you even know me. Not even, not once, Peter. Not twice, but three times. Imagine what that does to Peter. It's like, oh, why you got to be like that? But what Jesus was saying to Peter is, your passion is going to fuel you. And if you're not passionate about the things that I'm passionate about, it'll propel you in the wrong direction that you will even deny me, even though you feel this way. But it's interesting that what Jesus didn't say to Peter was, wow, Peter, you're so passionate. Wow, you are so passionate that I'm going to rebuke Satan from you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, in the, in the name of me, I'm going to make sure the devil does not come anywhere near you. It could have sounded like Jesus would have done that, but no. What does he tell Peter? I, I prayed for you, Peter. I pray that your faith remains strong, that your faith does not fail. Now, why did Jesus do it that way? Why didn't he just say to Satan, when Satan asked for permission to sift Peter, nope, you have no, you have no rule over him. Why didn't Jesus just stop it right there? He let the devil, he let Satan sift Peter. You know what Jesus was teaching Peter? He was saying, you're going to be attacked from all kinds of angles. Your faith must remain strong. Because your passion right now, Peter, is all over the place because number two, passion propels. 
It'll propel you. But it may propel you in a direction that you don't want to go. Passion, yes, it'll fuel you. It'll, it'll point you in directions. But it may be in a direction that you really don't want to go. Passion will propel you. And what he was saying to Peter was, your faith must remain strong. Now, Peter, on the other hand, as he, as he continued to grow and mature in the Lord, after Jesus rose from the grave and after he had that breakfast, after Jesus said, do you love me? Now he was starting to align his, self, his, his passion and his life with Jesus Christ and, and, and the passion that Jesus had. And so now Peter writes this in one of his books in the New Testament. And he wants to pass this on to us because he understands passion. He says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though, even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine, that it is being tested. He knew about being tested. I mean, Satan sifted him. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. Peter can speak out of experience. And what he's saying is, hey, I've been there, done that. Yeah, I have a passion, but passion will propel you. But if you're going in the wrong direction, you're going to be propelled in and land at the wrong destination. So we got to get this steering correctly. And because passion propels, it needs to be guided along the way. It's like driving. You don't just hang on to the steering wheel and hope it doesn't move. No, you, you constantly guide along the way. We used to play this game, me and my two boys, and we just called it rocket ship or spaceship or something like that. And we would be in our van... And before we got home, I would put the, the stereo on, on a channel that was static. You know, it was just static on a, on a radio. So I would turn the static up, and that would be our takeoff. Okay, guys, we're taking off. And I was the captain, and then my two boys, you know, they were the uh, weapons gunner and the weapons check guy, and so they would be the, the crew. And so I said, okay, guys, we're blasting off, and I will turn up the volume. And then we would take off, and I'm driving. So... The cars that were coming towards us, because their lights were white, you know, headlights, those are good guys. Those are our friends. They're our allies. But the cars that were passing us, the same cars, because their lights were on the back and they were red, those were our enemies. So they had to take out the enemies while we were driving. So we're driving and, okay, guys, uh, take out the enemies. We got two incoming. We got two, we got two bogeys coming in. We got two bogeys coming in. Watch my six. Watch my six. And I'd be driving and, okay, and they're shooting. Hey, weapons check. How many weapons we got? Oh, we got 50 million bullets. 50 million bullets? Yeah, we got plenty of bullets, Dad. Okay, we got plenty. Oh, we got plenty of weapons. What about any rockets? Oh, yeah, we got 10,000 rockets. 10,000 rockets? Really? In this ship? Yeah. Oh, big ship. So we're, we're taking off. And, and then as we're getting closer to home, we're taking on damage. We're taking on hits. We're, I mean, we had a, this whole army coming at us. We had this, this whole armada coming at us, and we had enemies coming at us. We're getting blasted left and right. So we're coming home, and I'm saying, we're getting hit. Well, damage check. Oh, the outside hull is being damaged. Oh, force field down, force field down. No, not force field down. And so I get hit. Ah, oh, captain down. Ca ca captain down. I can't, I, ca I can't bring the ship home to mother base. I can't. Somebody has to take over. Somebody got to take over. Now, by, the, that, by that time, we're on our street already. So it's safe. Just want to say that. So my son jumps on my lap, and he's, he's, I said, you, you got to take us. You got to take us home. We're taking on too many firepower. We're losing fuel. You got to take us home. You got, you got to steer us home. Now he's four. <laughs> I got this. 
I got this. Daddy, I got this. And he's driving home. And so I'm there, but I'm steering. And I'm making sure we get home safely. Now we got to turn in. And he has to stop. He doesn't know how to stop. I'm doing the brakes and the gas. So we get closer to home. And I'm like, don't bang the mothership, please. Don't bang the mothership. Then we get home. And then he, he breaks it with his hand. He just goes, so we turn on the engine. And I'm like, ah, oh, we're safe. We're safe at our mothership. Well done, soldiers. Well done. And they walk in the house. Yeah, 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 we're safe. Any damage, we got to fix the damage. And we head into the house. And we're all safe. And as we're heading into the house, I, I think to myself, if not for someone steering we would bang the mothership. We would get into an accident if not for someone steering. Your passion needs someone to steer it. Otherwise, we make sacrifices that we shouldn't make. And we don't learn until it's too late. And Peter shows us some things that, boy, I, I've learned a couple of things and so he says, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Here's what Peter is saying. He's saying, here's your passion, and here's your destination. And your, your passion, when you start here, you, sh you should arrive at that destination. But here's what happens. Because, because you may be misguided, you're saying, oh, there's, there's where I want to go, but oh, my buddies want to go do this, and so you sacrifice your family time. Or you're saying, oh, this is my destination. I, I want to I build my faith. I want, so I'm going to commit to being in church every Sunday for the rest of my life. God saved me from this. I'm going I'm to read the Bible. I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to do this. We've all said that. But what happens along the way is because passion is misguided, we go in other directions rather than our destination. And so after a while... You know what happens? We make sacrifices. We sacrifice our faith because we're so passionate about something, but it's misguided. And misguided passion brings problems. Oh, we have a passion to, to please people. We have a passion to make money. But if it's misguided, we jeopardize not only our faith, but our finances. Some people will even say, hey, man, this is, this, is a, this is the time to get in, man. If you don't get in now, uh, you're never going to get in. This is the best time to get in. And they say, all you got to do is invest this much money. Because we're passionate, but nothing is really guiding it, we even make financial sacrifices. Or we make sacrifices for our future. That because our passion is not guided, we just have a passion for this, a passion for that. And because it's not guided, we just think, oh, that's great. Make a decision. Oh, you find out later it's jeopardizing your future. We also make sacrifices with our friends. That we make certain sacrifices and then we lose friends because we're so passionate about something that we use people. And then when we use people, we lose them because our passion just was not guided correctly. But probably the most important, and this is where many of us, this is where we need to learn, is our family. That we have a passion for something, but we sacrifice our family because we have a passion that's misguided. Honey, I need to do this. I need to do that. If not, then this is not going to happen. I got to put food on the table. I got to do this. So, 
we sacrifice our family and I understand work and, and finances. I understand that. But where's the balance? If I'm sacrificing these things, is it even worth it at the end? See, what Peter was learning from Jesus and what Jesus was saying is, you're going to make sacrifices. But sacrifice on the good side of being guided in your passion. That if you're going to sacrifice in your faith, in your faith, sacrifice for faith. Not your faith. Sacrifice for your faith. For some of us, we sacrifice Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. Saturday night, we sleep in early so that we can get up on Sunday morning. Otherwise, you... You're going you're gonna to have a hard time being in here on Sunday morning, here and here, because you didn't sacrifice Saturday night. I have to sacrifice Saturday night to be here early. Why? Because I'm passionate about what I get to do for God. So Saturday nights are a sacrifice so that Sunday mornings, it's for my faith. Oh, I should get into the Word of God, but I don't have time. Well, sacrifice what can give you more time for your faith. We all, every single person, has the same amount of time in a day. You have no more, no less than me, and I have no more, no less than you. We all have the same amount of time. It's not time, it's sacrifices. But not only for our faith, but even for our finances. Oh, we're trying to get out of debt, but oh, there's a good sale. There's a good sale happening. Honey, if you don't buy this now, you might not ever get it again. So we got to sacrifice for our finances, make sacrifices for our future. Every sacrifice we make today for our future pays off for our future. I have never found someone who made sacrifices early on in life that are regretting it because they have a great future. Made sacrifices for their family so that their family can be a strong family. I have not yet met one person that regretted making the sacrifices back then because they're doing well today. They're glad that they did. But also our friends. That there's going to be some sacrifices that we're going to make for our friends. There's going to be sacrifices so that we can continue to build relationship and connect. But again, the most important probably is family. What sacrifices am I making today for my family? These are usually the common areas that we make sacrifices in. And we sacrifice these things rather than for these things. These are the most common areas. And when Peter is learning this from Jesus Christ, he's saying, well, there are certain things that are in my life right now that I have to make a decision on. That's what Glenn was sharing in his testimony. I got to make a decision. I'm passionate about these things. I got to make a decision. So Peter writes this out of experience. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know better, any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy for I am holy. In other words, Jesus learned, uh, Peter learned this from Jesus. That Jesus was so passionate that it had to come from the Father. And he was holy because the Father is holy and Jesus is holy. So Peter said, he's saying the same thing to us and the same thing to all of us. That we must be holy for he is holy. And now Peter is telling us, I've learned this through experience. Misguided passion 
that doesn't know any better is our old way of living, but now we know Jesus Christ, and now our passion can have direction and clarity all because of Jesus Christ. He can give us clarity. And when Jesus Christ is who we follow and we're passionate about him, now our passion propels us to be holy, for he is holy. And whatever you're passionate about, you will follow. No matter what roadblock is in your way, when you're passionate about the things of God, no matter what roadblock is in your way, you're going to make sacrifices so that you can be obedient to God because he's holy. Peter understood this, and here's our last point, that passion pulls. Passion pulls. And if we're not careful, then other people's passion will pull at us. Passion aligned with the Spirit gives life. Passion without the Spirit is very dangerous. Why? Because other people will pull at you. Other people have passion too. Have you ever seen, like, you know, late night, like these infomercials? You'll be sitting there uh, eating ice cream or something, late night snack, and these infomercials come on. You know why they're late at night? Because we're not all there. We're tired. We, we're lacking oxygen in our brain, so we're just watching TV, eating ice cream, and, and it comes on, and there's this, you know, fit, buff guy. Hey, do you want to look like me? And you're like, yeah. Yeah, I want to look like you. And he's passionate about what he does. All you have to do is 90 days straight, 500 push-ups in a day. I can do that. And you order what they order. Hey, do you need to lose weight? Yes, I do. Take these pills. I will. How much is it? $50? I will buy it. Because I'm following that guy's passion. I'm passionate about it. Because he's passionate about it. Passion will pull. Now, here's the danger. If my passion is not guided correctly, then other people will pull your passion or pull from you what they're passionate about that you shouldn't be passionate about. They're even going to challenge you, like Glenn was saying in his, in his testimony, oh, people still, every day, will, will pull you. And as you're going through that change, that transition, you're going to hear people say, oh, that's, oh you shouldn't do that. Oh, that's, you're messed up. Or what, what kind of decision is that? Oh, that's Jesus stuff. Oh, that's church stuff. You're going to hear all of that because passion pulls. It's going to pull at you. But if you're not guided correctly, oh, you're going to be pulled by it and you're not going to reach your destination. The Spirit alone, the Bible says in John 6, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. It accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Look at the first person that speaks up. Look who it was. It was Peter. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? I mean, you have the words that lead to eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Peter is speaking this. It's like Jesus is saying, you're getting it, Peter. You're getting it. You're getting it. Your, your, your passion is now being guided correctly. You're getting there, Peter. May your faith not fail you, Peter. You stay close to me because passion will pull at you. Jesus will often start pulling us towards him with where we're most passionate about. 
and what we're most passionate about. That's usually where he brings us close to him is, is, is in our passion. Remember when he first called Peter? Let's go back to the beginning of Peter when he met Jesus Christ. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother. What were they doing? They were doing what they were passionate about, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Why did they do that? Because passion pulls. Listen, if you're ever going to be pulled by passion or someone else's passion, may it be Jesus Christ, that he's the one that's going to pull you. That when he says, follow me, you hear his voice crystal clear. And it's not someone else saying, hey, follow me, follow me, follow me. No, Jesus is speaking and saying, you follow me. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Jesus gave every single one of us a passion for something so that we would eventually follow him in that passion and continue to use that passion for him. But in a greater way, when he said to Peter, I know you love fishing, I know you're passionate about this, but Peter, you follow me? Not only will you be a fisher man, you'll be a fisher of men. Oh boy, the scope that he gave to Peter was far more than what Peter could actually dream. See, with every sunrise that Peter would greet, he would greet with the notion and with the dream and with the the passion of catching fish. Nothing wrong with that because that's how they made their livelihood. But Jesus said, Peter, I have a greater vision than what you can see. And when Jesus gave Peter this vision of being a fisher of men, and when Jesus said to Peter, do you love me more than these these fish, this, this passion? Because I know you went back to what you're passionate about. But Peter, let me ask you something. Are you, are you passionate about the things of God more than these things? Do you love me, Peter? And Peter said, yeah, Lord, I, I do. I, I love you. He said, then, then feed my lambs. Are you passionate? Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Then tend my lambs, tend my sheep. In other words, Jesus was saying, this is what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about people. And Peter finally got it. He finally got that a passion of a dream is not to fulfill the dream. The passion of a dream is to draw us closer to Jesus Christ who made sacrifices for us so we could fulfill a greater dream that we have yet to be passionate about. Our vision is too small for his dream for us. It'll take his love for us and our love for him to be able to tend to these dreams because in the end it'll always come down to God and people loving God and loving people the dreams that Jesus puts in our hearts and the dreams that you and I have the passion that you and I have for the dream is only there because he put it and I pray that today that not only will we understand that his passion pulls at us but so will the world it'll pull But may your faith 
not fail. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? You can put away your notes. Heavenly Father, this morning, our, our heart to follow you and, our, and, and the passion that you've given to us, we don't want to be misguided. We want to sacrifice on the side of your love for us and our love for you. We don't want to sacrifice our, our faith. We want to sacrifice for our faith. We don't want to sacrifice our finances. We want to sacrifice for our finances or our friends, but especially our family and our future. We want to make sacrifices for that. Sometimes our passion gets in the way. And as time goes on, we're misguided and we end up in places that we don't want to be. So Lord, can you direct us today? May our passion line up with your passion. Lord, I pray for those that maybe they've never said yes to you. They don't, they don't have this, this guidance to drive them and make the adjustments along the way. It'll take a relationship with you. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, so I don't, I don't know what it means to be guided by him, well, I'm going to say a prayer. In fact, if, if you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ and you're saying, I want to be guided by his spirit and I've never given him my heart, would you just lift a hand this morning and, and you're just saying, I want to give my heart to Christ and I'll pray with you. You don't have to stand or anything. Good. You're just saying, I want to give my heart to Christ today. Yeah, good, good. God sees your hand. Good. God bless you. He sees your hand. Good. He sees your heart. He sees you. He hears all your prayers. He sees you. God bless you back there. Good. God sees you back there. He sees your hand. But he also sees your future. You can put your hands down and we can pray this prayer together, all of us, but especially those that are saying yes to Jesus for the first time. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. To give me eternal life. So I give my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. We all said, Amen.